You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's so easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So go ahead and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code THPN, that's THPN, when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim that $100 in free credits. Again, that's promo code THPN. Only for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Bar down, break down. Bar down, break down. Episode 119. Don't shake your head. Just I feel because... like you've done that melody before. You couldn't come up with a different melody. Okay. You know what? Then I'm going to do this uh, TikTok melody for those of you that like TikTok. Uh, this is bar down breakdown. This is bar down breakdown. Into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. That's going to get us so many followers because that's like the biggest TikTok thing. Episode 119 is here. We're doing it. We've got Bob from Hornbill. He's chilling with us. He's an Islander fan that lives in Utah. There's no hockey in Utah. Um, and it's kind of crazy. The only thing that's there is John Stockton and the Utah Jazz. And we didn't even talk about that at all with Bob. But Bob is freaking awesome. And we really appreciate him taking the time to be on. Uh, we talk a lot about Islanders hockey in the interview. So uh, I feel like we don't really need to talk about it in our little intro. But um one of the things I do want to just touch upon, just because we are a hockey podcast and we probably need to talk about it, and I don't really think I've actually talked to you about this until right now, so it's kind of going to be interesting to get your insight on it. But um, so uh, Mark Scheifele laid a pretty gnarly hit on someone, um, and it's kind of dividing the hockey world because there are a lot of people that say that it was uncalled for and that um, you know he strode 122 feet to lay into somebody that had already put the puck in the net. But there are a lot of other hockey fans that are saying that um, Evan should have kept his head up and Evan should have uh, been more cognizant and wouldn't have been laid out in such a way. I, I don't think I'm, I'm on the side of being an apologist in that way. I think that uh, I don't think it was like 
Tom Wilson dirty intentions, but I do, you know, watching the game, uh, you know, Shifley got a pretty, pretty bad non-call. And I think that that aggravation spilled over into uh, that hit, which was brutal. I mean, really brutal. But four games is what he got. Uh, what's your take on that? Dude, I feel like I'm torn. Like, I, I don't even, like, I know that you said that it, it's like tearing like hockey fans, but me personally, I'm torn. I, I can't decide how I feel because there's so many like moving parts to yeah. that play that, you know, especially, I'm, and, and I was by no, by no means like even playing very competitive hockey, but even in men's league hockey, which is like a million times slower <laughs> than the NHL, there's still like split second plays that kind of cross the, cross the line. Yeah. And it's not that like people are being malicious. It's just like a fast moving sport that you happen to have a stick and are on like razor sharp blades going around ice, like yep. crap happens. And in that situation, yes, it might have been like uh, like when you slow it down and you watch the replay, it looks like it was late. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, dude, I, I don't know. And yeah. his, his head was down. And that's pretty much what your peewee hockey coach teaches you like day one. Yeah. It's like, keep your head up at all times. Yep. Like, don't skate with your head down mm -hmm. so that you can avoid situations like that. Yeah. And when, um, when you look at it, when you look at it, and like I said, that's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, it, it really was something that happened in reality in, you know, maybe about eight seconds of time. Right. But like when you look at it slowed down, like you can really make an argument for either side. Like you can say that, you know, that all the strides, you know, wasn't really necessarily to be a charge. It was just to try to get there and he couldn't pull up. So he just followed through, but you know, when you look at the replays also, you could see that like once Shifley got into frame, like his eyes weren't even on the puck anymore. You know, his eyes were, were on contact, you know? So like I said, it's, it's one of those things. I don't want to call it like a bang, bang play because I think that like that terminology probably doesn't fit for, you know, an instance where someone got hurt pretty badly, but yeah, I mean, it was just one of those tough things that, um, you know, I, I, you can't, I don't think you can sit there and blame Evans. I mean, yeah, his, his head wasn't up, but at the same time, like, I don't know, man. You know, All right. So here, this, because honestly, I talked about this with a few different people at my meetup last night. If the outcome was different and he wasn't injured and like carted off the ice like he was, Mm -hmm. Would we even be having this conversation? Um, probably not. Uh, however, I think we would have probably been having a different conversation because I think that if that happened and he wasn't carted off the ice and he just took like a hard hit and got up, I think that that could have potentially been like a complete bench clearing brawl, uh, you know, because truthfully, I, I don't think that the Jets would have, you know, like would have been in a position or I should say, I don't think the Habs would have been in a position where if he was okay, they would have stood for that. I think that it, it would have just been like a, a brawl. I really do. Possibly. Yeah. Cause there, there 
already was kind of a little bit of a brawl. Yeah, I mean, there was a scrum, but I think because of how, because of the 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 position that he was in, I mean, I think the everyone on the ice kind of realized like, well, this is real bad, you know. So, but you know, like I said, you you're you're either on one fence on it or another. Uh, you know, hockey has these kinds of things, and again, you know, it's not as malicious as you know, cross checking someone in the back of the head or you know, slashing someone you know across their you know, their knees or something like that. It's, it's or, a or like a, a, yeah, like a slew foot or where, yeah. where that's the intention, like yeah. is to, to kind of take someone out yeah. of the play. Yeah. Exactly. Where, you know, th- this was an empty net goal. Yeah. At the end of a game that yeah. he was trying to prevent. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn, Tom. I, yeah. I, I, I don't, Want to like all of a sudden throw chiefly you know, as like being a Tom Wilson? Like I, I'm, I'm not. Well, yeah, ready and, to... and and I and yeah, and I. That's why I said very specifically, you know, when I brought it up that it wasn't really Tom Wilson esque. Um, and like I, you know, and he he as a player, you know, looking at him and his lineage, I mean, he doesn't, you know, that's not really his his style of play. So, uh, you know, but it, it's something that is divisive and you know you could be torn about it like that natalie Imbruglia song torn which is a great song <laughs> uh reminds me of of my days coming up in the 90s but uh very refreshing is our uh, our guest uh from the band hornbill again his name is bob he's pretty dope he's from salt lake city utah um really ambitious project that kind of got drummed up during quarantine that uh, you know he's looking to flesh out and get some new members for, but if you get a chance to listen to the music, man, it is it's out there, but in a really good way. Uh, it's really cohesive and cool. Um, I think he put it best. If you like bands like Fall of Troy and Protest the Hero, um, I think you'll dig them. I think they're they're very cool and their melodicism, their breakdowns, their uh, their progressive nature is really cool, and it's been awesome to uh listen to some of some of the tracks and we're we're all all about it so uh we're gonna just jump right into it so i hope you enjoy our interview with bob bob the guy from salt lake city utah who doesn't have a hockey team near him so he chose to love the islanders and that is a little bit of a harrowing existence because loving the islanders usually means that you age way too quickly and your heart beats well i don't know if if your heart was broken, you'd be dead. <laughs> Touche. So enjoy our interview. We'll see you on the other side. Do it together. So 
Yo, 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 Bar Down Breakdown, episode 119. We got our boy Bob from the Math Rock, Prog Rock, whatever you guys want to call it. Awesome <laughs> band, Hornbill. So you had to kind of school me on what math rock was. I was like, what? Are you guys like doing calculus problems? Like, what is this? Dude, so it's so weird. Um, I kind of jumped. I was running before I was crawling. Um, when we initially named the project um, Hornbill, we were like, what, what is this group of music? I was just like, oh, it's weird time signatures. Let's just call it math rock. Uh, only to find out that math rock is this whole subsection of um, like American football and um, little twinkly Midwestern emo. Like that's that's math rock and uh so I, i've since kind of strayed away from that and it's been uh progressive post-hardcore at this point because that, that's ultimately what it describes us best dude I'm, I'm just gonna make myself look like a fool on the podcast because i love doing that dude for the <laughs> longest time when when i heard like prog rock i always thought like it was talking about like czechoslovakia prog <laughs> <laughs> and I'm oh, like, <laughs> I'm like, why is this a genre of music? I'm so confused. So it's a whole That's different funny. world. Like, man, I stay in my like drive through records, pop punk kind of little bubble. And I don't really go too far. Whereas Tom, you and Tom would be able to talk about math rock all day because he is a music nerd. See, that's one thing, too, that I... Uh... Maybe ignorance is bliss. I, I know all these genres, but I, I feel genres a lot of the time. So I, I don't necessarily care about classifications and what ends up falling where. But uh, so, yeah, we're we're progressive post hardcore. We're math rock. We're freaking hardcore. We're alt rock, whatever. However, it's subjective to your ears. That's what we are. Love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. And and that's kind of what's cool about music in the year 2021 is that bands are totally cool with like genre mixing. And oh, yeah, you know, a band like Grayscale that came up as as pop punk as you can possibly get has now started to to mix in, you know, elements of pop even. And it works, man. Like it, it's it's kind of just showing that people's ears have kind of matured and are willing to to take on you know that genre mixing that you guys are doing i, I feel like that's been happening forever but it's more encouraged now more acceptable more more mainstream bands are doing it and that correlates to more diy and more uh you know, uh, indie bands doing it. And it's, I kind of had this conversation with my buddy. Um, I've been playing in his band, uh, Derek Christensen. He's uh, kind of like a pop punk, like old um, some 41 type project. Um, and he bleeds a little bit over into sky, bleeds a little bit over into country at times and like old Elvis rock and roll. Um, and we were talking about this, this genre splitting and we ended up getting into um, how, DIY is now a genre when it's used to just be if you did it yourself same thing with like indie um indie is a genre emo is a genre when yeah, I guess like time SoundCloud would even be a genre then right honestly yeah that's 
you see a lot of those like lo-fi uh, kind of techno things on SoundCloud. And like that's, I would classify SoundCloud as a freaking genre. But I mean, again, I don't know. I'm just an idiot who plays music. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, it, it's a it, it's always a fun conversation. But at the end of the day, music's music. And oh, look at who is here. And I'm going to add him in because we're the most professional podcast ever. So we're already like five minutes into the interview, but we're going to just go ahead and <laughs> add Tom and he'll probably be like, all right, so let's talk about math rock, even though we just talked about it for five minutes. <laughs> but that's how we operate, dude. That's just how we do things. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're just in, also in the middle of the interview and we're not going to edit any of this. So Tom. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes when you work retail, things happen and um, you know, that's it. So for anyone that watches this on YouTube, you're not going to see my face tonight because uh, my camera is not hooked up and I had to jump in here. Also, there is a, also a good chance. Hold on. Penelope. Chill out. Penelope. My puppy is also a maniac. So she's part of this interview too. Uh, yo, so uh, we got Bob. Yeah, we got Bob from Hornbill. Yep. <laughs> wow. Bob from Hornbill, dude. Hornbill math rock. I love it. <laughs> well, listen, man, thank you for jumping on here. I'm so sorry that I was tardy. Uh, you know, shit happens. It happens. Dude, I get it. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you already talked about some stuff that I didn't hear. So uh, I'm just going to launch right into it. Maybe you talked about this yet. Maybe you didn't. But um, uh, how soft was that goal? Oh, God. We have not talked about this. And uh, <laughs> um, what what is softer than soft? Uh, Pudding? Soft. Yeah. I don't know. That just, that was rough. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, you, you, we're not an Islanders podcast, but I mean, we, we, we can't help, but not talk about this right now. But I mean, like, it's just insane. Like when you look at how that goal was flung on, on net, I mean, I would say probably 10, you know, 10% of the time, well, rather 90% of the time that puck doesn't even touch the net. Like that. No, goes I, wide. I mean, he was what, maybe three feet from the goal line too. So I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it completely took the wind out of uh, my sails last night. And uh, yeah, it's all right. Totally. There's plenty of series left. Yeah, it was, it was rough, man. It was rough. But, you know, uh, you got to look at some of the positives. I mean, other than that terribly soft goal and, the, and obviously the first goal, you know, Varley was looking like a, a stud for a while. I mean, you know, yeah, Boston, you know, took – I don't know, in the last half of the game, you know, it's called the last 25 minutes, probably. I think Boston outshot the Islanders like 22 to 5. You Something know? like that. And 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 Varley was able to uh you know to to hold it down. So, you know, I mean that 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 bodes well. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you we've you know talked about that. What do you do for for game four? I mean, do you ride Varley out or do you try to, you know, play Sorokin again? What do you do there? Personally, I would stick with Varlamov just because, I mean, he has that hot hand at the moment. Um, I would love, I, I love Sorokin. Um, I, I, I'm 
just so thrilled that he's kind of living up to to what he was expected to be like that just pumped me up beyond belief um so i would love to see him in there but i mean farley's too hot right now so i would say you go back to where you are um and just play the same game i think that same game you win nine out of ten games so um i don't know yeah it would you know I, I'm not quick to point fingers at Varley for that game. Like, honestly. Oh, no, absolutely not. The The first goal is completely on Nick Letty's shoulders because he took that slapper from the blue line and just totally missed the net and then, you know, helped clear the puck out of Boston's zone and quickly, bing, bang, boom, Boston is so quick, you know, to just turn on the offensive pressure that yeah. it led to a goal. And, you know, as a veteran, you you know how quick they can transition. You got to just get the puck on the net, man. Like you can't be missing two, three feet wide of the net and giving a, a juicy rebound right out of your own, out of your own Dad, zone. I feel like I was screaming that to myself, or at least to my TV <laughs> this whole season. Just get the puck on net. I mean, Pollock for the longest time was shooting bombs, but I mean with what accuracy and then a pellet was doing it a lot last night it, offensively he just couldn't hit the net and just hit, just hit somebody in front hit it doesn't matter if it goes right into tuka's chest just get it on net however i you know one positive i did see is that matt barzell looked a little hungrier last night he he looked yeah. like he was looking to shoot at even even like taking bad shots it was like at, at points where i was like the whole playoffs i was like man but barzy needs to shoot and then he started shooting i was like but not that shot like <laughs> you need to no i i saw a thread on twitter earlier today and they were talking about how um how that goal by barzell um that was that's the goal they want to see from him and uh they don't want any fancy highlight real goals and like that shows his maturity and stuff like that and like i don't think that was ever in question he just he's understanding that in these times in need like you gotta get what you gotta get and he's he's not putting the team on his back but he's doing what he can to make sure that pucks get to the net and like that that's that's it period yeah and i think i mean that was you know you, you saw the weight of the world lift off of his shoulders you know oh I mean, yeah you're you're you know being the team superstar and you know not really I, and i i mean i can't lie and say not contributing not contributing in the goal column you know i mean you know anytime he's out on the ice he's he, he's he's contributing so he, he and Casey Sezikis are the kings of intangibles. Yeah. The, the, the immeasurable stats that come along with being a hockey player, like they are those guys. Um, and yeah, to your point, he's, he has it every night, whether it's in assists or goals, it, those intangibles are there. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they're also, uh, I think they were talking about at skate, at least before uh, game three that Wallstrom was out there skating. So, I mean, you know, hopefully, oh God, I hope I see him back. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause just cause I, I you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, this, this, this Zajac thing just wasn't really uh, coming to fruition for the Islanders. And I mean, uh, you know, it, I it, like, I like the depth. He's there for a reason. 
But if I can have Ollie Wally in the lineup every night, I want Ollie Wally in the lineup every night. I do too. But, you know, yes, Zajac hasn't been burying goals or even like getting in the on the assist column. That line has still been a threat every time they're on the ice. Like the, the Zajac, Palmieri, Pajot line. You're I, right. I, Paul Murray has stepped it up and Pajot has those Pajot has those intangibles I talked about. He bring he makes other people better. Um, and Zajac hasn't been <laughs> Zajac hasn't been Leo Komarov. Yeah. But <laughs> not many could he, be. <laughs> yeah. And then and the other thing I think too, you know, is uh you look at you know how Pajot kind of lit the the playoffs on fire last year. And, you know, you're, you're not seeing that same production out of him. Uh, so, it you know. Who, who, who was on his line last year? Do you remember? Oh. Um, I, I feel like it was like him and maybe like Dal Cole for a little while. Yeah. He was kind of, he was kind of uh, right. like, it was a revolving door with him. Honestly, where he was everywhere. Yeah, um, he's kind of had shit. He's been the wall, and Barry Trotz has just thrown different colors of shit at that wall <laughs> and hoped that it stuck. Um, and it, like I said, he he makes those other players better. Um, and Paul Mary has definitely thrived being next to him. Um, honestly, I would love to see uh, MDC back in uh, – instead of Zajac in place of Wallstrom, but um, I know, I know MDC gets a lot of hate. So, (laughs) Well, I did see something and I don't know if it was today or yesterday. Someone tweeted out that the Islanders have, and it was like the coaching staff, but not like the immediate coaching staff. There's like a whole separate, like, you know, guys that you don't even know their names, coaching staff. And it was like seven or eight dudes whose job title was analytics. And with like, you ask a common Islander fan, you wouldn't even know that there were that many people on the, in the organization whose sole job is those like advanced stats. And apparently that's the most in the NHL is what this person tweeted out. Like, so what you're saying is that the the Islanders are, are, are money ball. Kind of. So it's like, because so. because there's no other reason why a person like Leo Komarov is on the first line unless it's those like advanced analytical stats. Dude, I have been. I, I'm sure many people have been like, I, I I I'm by no means a hockey expert. I've never played in the NHL. I've never coached in the NHL. But as a player and as a avid fan, you see these things that you know other people have to see um and i'm questioning my sanity whether like am am i is there something i'm missing there has to be something i'm missing Mm -hmm. and it might just be those advanced analytics because dear lord um like i said question of my sanity man i know uh all all of islanders twitter is yeah it it definitely is a head scratcher for sure However, that does make me feel a little bit of solace, though, knowing that there's that many. I mean, it it has to be for a reason at that point. It's not just 
shit, what Dougie Waite loving his veterans. Um, <laughs> yeah, like there, exactly. there's a reason behind it. So exactly. So let me let me pivot real quick. So um, and again, if if this is happening in duplicate, uh, sorry to anyone listening. Don't really care. Uh, but uh, tell me your story. Like so, where so where where are you right now? That's the first question. Gotcha. So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. So um, did you grow up on the island and then hightail it out to, to SLC? Uh, so I'll just go from the beginning. I was born and raised in Bayshore, Long Island. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, my family, we moved around a bunch uh, in my middle school, high school years. So okay. um, I moved up and down the East Coast, PA, Jersey, Maryland. Um, and then when I met my now wife, um, we moved out to California and, uh, ended up in Salt Lake and that's where we've been for the last few years. So your Islanders fandom obviously started when you were, when you were a kid living on the island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, that, I mean, that, that's great. Um, and you know, I mean, kind of, would you say that like you, like your formative years, we'll call them like, you know, like your, your teenage years and stuff when you were moving around, did you get a lot of exposure to a lot of other, like, you know, hockey cities and stuff like that or not really? Uh, yes and no. Um, I would say out of everywhere, I've probably been to continental airlines more than any other place okay. just to see the devils play. Um, I think that's, that's where we were closest to um, for a lot of the time, but uh-huh. I've been to Nassau, many times i've been to msg many times um uh i've been down to dc wells fargo um the, they're all their own unique little hubs they're super cool um la and anaheim when we were out in california yeah. and unfortunately i don't have anyone close to me now so yeah that's true um, i mean i guess you know I'm, I'm i'm bad at my geography right now but in, in in utah i mean like what would the closest hockey club to you be so the closest club is Vegas. Um, there's a six hour drive and then, uh, Denver. So for the avalanche, they're eight hours. So, uh, I've made both those trips for Rhode Islanders games. Um, the one in Denver, they got their butts blown out and, uh, the one in Vegas, they won. So I gotta tell you, I mean, you know, the, the avalanche as a scary team, man, that is a scary looking team. I want to believe that it's just because they've been playing in that division and they look that crazy. And the second they play someone from out of their, uh, out of their division, that they're going to look like a normal team, but I just don't see that happening. (laughs) No, I mean, and it's very strange, right? So we're, you know, you look at Montreal and Winnipeg, which I, you know, I mean, I watched a good, a good amount of game one. Uh, you know, so like I, I would say probably just because I had nothing else to do, I watched probably I watched all of the third period and a good amount of the second period. And, it, you know, being an Islanders fan and watching the Islanders style of hockey and especially playing the Bruins that have the Bruins style of hockey, it's it's strange watching these two teams play each Isn't other it? because it's like the the way that their offensive schemes are, it's just like. Like there's no, like there was very little dump and chase, which like, you know, is, has become like the Islanders kind of like, you know, nom de plume. It's just like, yeah. that's what they do. And it's literally just watching like, you know, uh, 
oh, here we are. We're going to go through the neutral zone. Okay, now we're in the offensive zone. Now we're going to spend 40 seconds in here. Okay, now we're going to go backwards. And now we're going to spend 40 seconds in the other offensive zone. And I mean, like, yeah. it was cool to watch that kind of hockey. But I bring that up because, you know, if assuming that the Avs advance, which is, you know, kind of sort of what it's looking like right now, I can't imagine that they're going to have any difficulty with either the Habs or the Jets. So, and, and that's just my take, you know, I, I, don't, so, I don't know. Do you, so with everything being reseeded at this point, yeah. if Colorado advances, they, let's say we advance, yeah, they would play the Islanders though, right? Is that because we would we, we would technically be the fourth seed and they would be number one, right? Oh, I, I didn't know that that's how it works. If that's how it works, then then I, I presume so. But I thought that and see, I just don't know because I'm so used to the, the playoffs being east and west. It's so strange. So, yeah. So I don't know exactly how that's going to go. But I mean, okay. it, the presumption would probably be that, yes, if, if that's how they're going to go with with you know reseeding one, two, three, four, then yes, so Colorado would get us and. I guess, you know, Tampa would get the way it looks. Wins. Yes, the, the bolts would yeah. get, would get the, um, the, the, uh, the Canadians. Did Carolina come through last night? I didn't look. They today. won in overtime. I think. Yeah. I think. Okay. Uh, isn't what, as it wasn't one of those, the stall homies, Mikey, do you know? <laughs> one of I the plethora of stalls. You don't, you don't know, Mikey. I didn't look now. You're bad, bad Carolinian. Dude, I can care <laughs> less about the hurricanes, man. I hate them. Well, look, that's not nice because storm surge. <laughs> They're going to storm surge all over you. You're ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm going to jump in here, Bob, because Tom was late. Yeah. So you get no more time, Tom. Okay. So <laughs> during those formative <laughs> years where you were bouncing around, you, you kept true to the Islanders. But like, when did you start getting into alternative music? Because, you know, Tom and I love to bra brag about the Long Island music scene, but that wasn't really your scene. Like you were already gone and bouncing all over the yeah, place. I was already gone at that point. Um, I fell into the uh, Allentown PA and like North Philly music scene. Um, so, uh, geez, I don't There were a lot of, I was really into like hardcore at that point in time. So all the Boston bands that were coming down to Philly and all the local uh, Philly hardcore bands. Um, they were, they were my pride and joy. Um, and then, uh, I think eighth grade. So 2001, 2002, um, a girl that I was dating at the time, you know, eighth grade <laughs> dating, yeah. um, her brother played in a band who ended up, the band was called sleep. Well, they ended up turning into a band called sound the alarm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They were, they were ended, they signed to Geffen Records at one point in time. Oh, wow. Um, and they only had like a debut album and then they kind of fell away. But that band there, they got me into uh, Finch, The Used, um, My Chemical Romance, Taking Back Sunday, that whole early 2000s emo, screamo. Sure. Uh, everything like that that was that was me cool so so you you kind of your your pride and joy and like when you when you think back to those glory days like you like grinding it out in those sweaty rooms is is really that allentown pennsylvania scene yeah there was a restaurant 
the hell is it called? Um, Spatchy's Fargo, something with an SP. Um, and it, they played in the restaurant. They they had a buffet line and they would move the buffet line against the wall and they would move all, all the tables out of the way and they would just have local bands in there and they'd play it. And it was so much fun. That place was so dirty and so disgusting, <laughs> but it was so much fun. Yeah. That was, uh, that was like eighth through 10th grade for me. Like that was the best. Awesome, dude. And, and then as you, you know, became, I guess your own person and, and you moved out West, like, were you playing in other bands in California before you started Hornbill? So I met my wife in Baltimore, um, and out so I graduated in Baltimore met my wife in Baltimore um, and then found a couple of bands in that area um, I was in a band called Knuckles they were like a hardcore band I was in a band called Upon a Throne of Lies that was like deathcore when that whole 2007-2008 deathcore scene was a thing um, I was in a band called Hero um, and then a band called Chrononauts and Hero and Chrononauts were, those were like my babies. That's when I started really getting into guitar and, um, composing and writing my own stuff. Um, and then once we moved out West, I never actually met up with anybody in California. Um, I did a couple of like self-recorded things out there that never turned into anything. And then here in Salt Lake. Uh, I linked back up with the drummer of Chrononauts in Baltimore and started Hornbill. Um, and that's, he's actually, he moved out here and we're both in Salt Lake now and uh, we're filling out this band and excited for Salt Lake to start opening up shows again and start doing cool stuff. So, so it's, it's just as of right now, it's just, uh, two of you guys right it's just it's just um, the two of us yeah so um now as far as you know your like your actual recorded music is concerned so are you doing all of the instrumental and um is uh ryan doing the drums is that kind of how it's how it's built that's exactly it um ryan is all drums and production and i am everything else okay that's cool now so um I, I guess the question for you that I have is this and uh, how do, how do I phrase it? Okay. So I'll just kind of phrase it this way. Right. So I, um, I've been in a couple of bands and um, creatively uh, some of the bands that I've been in, I wrote a lot of the music for, and um, I know it can get kind of difficult when you're predominantly writing the music and then you fill out a band and you're essentially handing it off to, other people um so like is that i know you're getting at yeah exactly so i guess the question i have for you is like do you think that as someone who's written all this music and is kind of like the predominant force in this band is that something you're going to be able to easily i am hornbill no (laughs) um (laughs) no honestly i'm super easygoing um i dude bringing other people into projects like this yeah make them that much more dynamic and mm-hmm. special to me yep. um i definitely um what's the word for it uh yeah i i like to do things myself just because 
it's easier to do it yourself. Um, but, uh, I don't know when, when you can find people who are on the same creative wavelength as you and who are able to create and understand and, um, devote their time to making what already exists into something more special. Like that's, that's so much more important to me than having something that's all mine. Okay. And, and I, and that's great. I, and I love that because sometimes it's, it, it, that's a difficult thing. You know, when you, uh, Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I I've, I've tried to join projects, um, where, um, where they like, uh, this one project I was a part of the guitarist, it was all his and he wrote everything. And I'd be like, Oh, well, what if we did this? He'd be like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. Like, okay. No. Well, what if we did this? No, I don't think it's going to work. It's yeah. Like, all right. And, and I, you know, and I, <laughs> and I, I give a shout out to all of the people that I've been in bands with that have dealt with my prima Donna diva ass. <laughs> that's what Tom like, has to deal with, with this podcast. Trying to try to welcome t- Tom trying to tell me about a chord and i'm like nah man i wrote that chord specially for this but um no i i get it and i think that's that's great and like i said i'm super duper impressed with what i've heard so far so for people that um are gonna listen uh, you're very welcome and people that are gonna listen to hornbill for the first time um what should they expect in terms of okay so you know i've listened to this and this and also this and this and now i'm going to listen to hornbill so like what are we talking about in terms of influences where have you been in terms of songwriting what would you say like you've put this together in terms of what other musicians and artists that have kind of set the stage for what you're writing and doing now gotcha so i'm glad i thought about this a little bit earlier um so (laughs) Uh, I have, I have two ways to put it. Um, okay. and potentially a third, if no one understands what the hell I'm talking about, but, um, if somebody asks, what does Hornbill sound like? I'm typically say, if you, if you've ever listened to protest, the hero, think of a less talented and emo version of protest, the hero. <laughs> um, and that seems to work well for people who know that band. uh, on the other side of things, I say, if you know, um, Think of early Fall of Troy okay. mixed with Say Hello to Sunshine uh, from Finch. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's that early 2000s feel um, with maybe modern touches as far as um, production or, uh, I don't know, there's breakdowns incorporated there's weird time signatures that make things weird and but yeah that's 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 typically what i'll go for and then if nobody understands what the hell i'm talking about i just say have you ever listened to taking back sunday everybody's listened to taking back sunday Uh, i just say we sound just like them go listen (laughs) that's that's the easiest thing to say i mean like you know everybody sounds just like taking yeah or you should just totally throw a curveball like yeah you know that guy billy joel yeah we sound just like him (laughs) man billy joel billy joel is very very progressive man very progressive so bob i guess i have to ask this because everyone asks me this question because i have an eight month old daughter everyone always comes up to me like oh quarantine baby huh and and she's really not a quarantine baby but is hornbill your quarantine baby 
Hornbill is my quarantine baby. Um, <laughs> this project started uh, a, a year ago, last June. Um, and it, yeah, it was strictly born out of sheer boredom. And uh, at that point in time, I hadn't been playing music for geez, since I moved to Salt Lake. So it was at least two and a half, three years. Um, and yeah, I, I called up my buddy Ryan and said, dude, can we just do something? And he's like, yeah, let's go. Awesome. And here we are. That's, that's fantastic, I that. man. I, I really, I love that. And, you know, one of the, that's pretty much one of the only good things to come out of this whole quarantine is that people were able to be more, um, more dynamic. People were able to be more creative and, you know, we get, you know, a, a great project, like, you know, the one that you guys are working on. And I mean, there's, there's nothing bad about that. Dude. It's so interesting too, to think of how this last year in a couple of months has changed music as a whole too. Cause like, I didn't expect to have anything come of this. We figured shit, let's record an album, see how it goes. We'll post it on the internet and we'll talk about it in 10 years when we hang out. Like <laughs> people liked it for one, like that was, this is the most successful music project I've ever had. Um, and that's just been so cool. Uh, people on Instagram and Twitter just, that I have no clue who they are telling me that their music affected them in some way, shape or form. And like, that's so fucking cool to me. Um, that means more to me than a lot of things. So um, yeah, uh, this is my quarantine baby and it has given me a lot more than I ever thought possible. So love to hear that, man. So I, I have one last question for you and this is sure. going to be a thought provoking question. Uh, I like to throw these in because they're usually nonsensical and most likely uh, you're just going to be like, Oh, this is a stupid question, but you're going to love to answer it. So are you going to ask um, me what breakfast cereal I am? No, I mean, <laughs> here's, here's what I'm going to ask you. If there was any Islander that you think would be listening to Hornbill, who would that Islander be? That is a good question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know all those guys listen to terrible uh, music. Yeah. <laughs> I want to answer this question, man. Go for it. Dude. So it's ex Islander Robin Leonard. I feel like he would love the shit out of you guys. Dude. So, okay. First off. Yes. I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that. Second off. I love Robin Leonard so much. Um, I'll do a little side uh, bar here, but um, the the main reason that Hornbill started um, was to get me out of my head. Um, I have a lot of mental illness problems and uh, naturally I drew to Robin Leonard um, and that speech where he accepted the Masterson last year and said, uh, was it the Masterson, right? I think so. Yeah. It's the one where, you know, the, the, the goalie tandem or whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, where he said, um, I, just because I'm mentally ill doesn't mean I'm mentally weak. And that was the coolest thing, especially for somebody in the, the sports world to say that. And someone such, um, so prolific as he was at that point in time to say that, like, it just is so cool. Um, and I will always love him for that, but yes, I hope he listens to this and I hope he digs it. 
See, I, I was gonna I was gonna say it's probably gonna be one of like one of the Russian homies because be, <laughs> because I figured they'd be like it's good good music uh, time signature change. Drink, Dude, who who else is Russian on our team other than our goalies? Well, that's who it would be. It's definitely not definitely not Sorokin because like Sorokin Dude. like like is probably like like the cool Russian guy and he's too cool to like listen to like anything cool but varley is probably varley is probably like it's good good for good for workout uh can cannot clap beat very well uh keeps me on my, my toes dude it's so funny goalies are so weird in their own right too by nature so one that makes sense and two i've been looking at like spotify locations and stuff like that and moscow and saint petersburg are huge cities for us for whatever reason so you're not wrong that's, that's the move man you definitely and it's probably all spearheaded by semyon varlamov he's probably like all my russian friends in saint petersburg very good band very good for vodka that's all i got i can really only like do like a russian accent until like someone's like say another word that you're not used to saying in a russian accent and then i just sound like an idiot but um sounding like an idiot's what i like but what i also like is uh is hornbill and i also like uh like you bob very much for being on this podcast with us i really appreciate uh you know you taking the time to chat a little bit about islanders hockey your band um you know, thank you for taking the time. I can't tell you how much this means to me because I've listened to you guys and I love the, the the merging of hockey and music. I mean, those are my two. Those are my yeah. two passions. So I, it's awesome. And I'm just very grateful. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you, man. Uh, and uh, I know you, you got some hockey to play, so we're going to let you go play it. I do. <laughs> so uh, ha- have a have a great time out there, man. And uh, let's just, you know cross our fingers, cross our toes, and just hope that uh, we get this next one back and we go for a little run. And hopefully, uh, you know, when we're doing that, uh, that thing that shall not be named at some point in our lives, we'll have you back on and we'll talk about it. Dude, I would love to. Thank you so much. Hell yeah, man. All right, Bob, go, go, uh, go snipe a few and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Dude, I will. Peace brother. See ya. And that's that, folks. That's Bob from Hornbill. Man, such a cool dude. Um, I wish we had more time to chat, but Bob had a hockey game to go to, so we'll have to get him on again, and we can talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, a little bit more about his upbringing. But super cool to, uh, you know, hear him talk about some of the music that uh, that got him into this this whole gig. And uh, I think it's great. He's a super talented musician, really, really talented guitar player. And, dude, you uh, know what's kind of funny? Oh. We're 119 episodes into this podcast. Yeah. And I think that might be the first time someone has brought up the used. 
You really? You think so? I think so, man. Like I, and, and it's so weird because early 2000s, like 2003, if I'm thinking. Yeah. The used was so huge. And like, especially for people that were still in like that mainstream top 40 yeah. window. Mm-hmm. The used was like that band that got a lot of people out of that and into alternative music. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. And they I don't, think, I don't, I don't feel like they get any credit. You know, I think the thing with the used, I mean, that I can say, I, and I don't want to speak for, you know, people that are fans of the used, but they're one of those bands for me that after their second record, I just, I, you know, I, I lost them and they put out a lot of music. I know that, but those first two records and that first one, especially that really broke them out was, was a big record because they were bridging the gap between, you know, more aggressive music, more melodic music. And, and I think the thing about that record um, and, you know, when I think about bands like the used, I automatically think about a band like story of the year as well, where, you know, they had these songs that were more, you know, like ballad type of, you know, more sad emo songs. And then they had, you know, songs like a box full of sharp objects, which is just, you know, three minutes of chaos. Um, but yeah, I mean, without them, you know, who knows if like that kind of level of, of screamo. And I mean, I, I guess I don't really want to, I don't want the, the purists to be like the used as in a screamo band. I don't know whatever you want to call them, but I think, um, Without them, there wouldn't be a lot of doors open. But yeah, the used are uh, are cool. I wonder if Burt McCracken likes hockey. I think they're aren't they from Vegas? Or where are they from? I don't know where they. I from. don't know where they're from. But, but they came out of like nowhere. Where they, like yeah, they kind of they did. they were like the only way I know the used is like them being massive. <laughs> like yeah. I I does anyone know them like when they were playing like fifty cap rooms? Oh, probably not. Um, they're from Utah. Utah. They're from Look Utah. Look at that. <laughs> See? Full Dude, circle. He probably lives right next door to them. And you know, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. I think I was in 10th grade. And the used was playing at that place. Sport, was it Sportsplex yeah, or it something? Sports Plus. It was the used story yes. of the year thrice. And I think somebody else. And, and yeah. this, is, this is 10th grade. So I'm what? That's 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I didn't go to the show, but I remember a lot of kids from our high school went to it and there were so many kids that like the fire marshal shut them down. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that like they used, didn't even get to play. No, they used, didn't even play. I think they, they shut them down during story of the year maybe, but yeah, no, that was, that was a crazy thing, man. I, uh, the used are just one of those bands and it kind of reminds me that, we should go back and listen to it. It also reminds me that we haven't done an episode of only 2001 <laughs> into 2005 in like six weeks because I picked Circa Survive and you got I know. terrified. So maybe, I, you know what? Maybe we need to do. Maybe once. Let me only pick what albums we talk about. Well, no, that's that's never going to work because I want to talk about all the cool albums. But I don't know. Maybe we could shoot for after I get this marriage thing done. We could try to get that back, back in right. the fold. Let's do like. Only 2001, 2005 in 30 seconds. Okay. When you went back and you listened to Jutrana or whatever the hell you want to call that album. Juturna? Juturna. Yeah. 
did you really enjoy it? I thought a lot of the songs sounded the same. I thought uh, all of like the wetness and drippiness and all the delay and all that stuff sort of started to mesh together for me. But there were some bright spots when I went back and listened to it. There were some tracks that I, uh, you know, kind of either forgot about or revisited. Would I say I love the album? Relisten as a whole? No, probably not. Uh, but and, you know, and I not- know that there's tons and tons of our listeners who their favorite band might be Circa Survive. And there was a time like, you know, our senior high school when he made the transition from Sayosin to Circa and like everyone was super excited where like he could have farted in the microphone and we would have listened to it. <laughs> but man, I, I don't I, I listen to those songs and I'm like, am I the dumbest man ever? Or do these songs really make absolutely no sense? <laughs> I, you know, that was part of the, um, that was part of that like era, man. There were like, you know, songs that were just so like steeped in like imagery and fi- yeah. And like and figurative, imagery and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> figurative language. I know, I'm like, man. I don't make, I can't make sense of any of this. I can't relate to it on a personal level. And, so. and, and I, and I think that that is kind of, you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, if, if there's, you know, like, I think you and I are music listeners for in, in different ways. I think I'm the one that listens more musically where you're the one that listens more um, vocally, but that's a very poignant thing to say, because if you can't connect with music, you know, in, in the, in the content of what's being sung, you're not going to, you're not going to like it and it's not going to have a lasting effect on you. So that that makes sense and and that's a valid reason not to like something so i'm not going to yell at you or be mad at you for not but, loving you but, but that's that's why i've been like <laughs> totally like avoiding that conversation <laughs> even though i like did not want to abandon that segment cuz i did enjoy it a lot yep i just didn't want to have to like come out and just admit that and i i guess i just did it so did. maybe like we that's okay. It's okay to, to, to admit that. And it's okay to feel that way. And it's also okay to listen to bar down breakdown on the hockey podcast network, which um, is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of great content on the hockey podcast network going on right now with the playoffs in full swing. So if you're looking for a more professional flair, like people that actually know what they're doing and talking about, um, you want to listen to some of those other podcasts and you want to go to the hockey podcast network and check them out. But uh, if you like us, which we appreciate that you like us, keep listening to us. Uh, you know, we're going to have new episodes every week. Um, even, even, you know, on marriage week, we're probably going to put out an episode. I can't tell you how good it's going to be. I'm probably just going to be thinking about, you know, cumberbuns and suspenders. Dude, are we wearing cumberbuns? No, 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 nobody wears cumberbuns, man. What is this? Like, I, I, 19... I no, think but, we should. But we're wearing suspenders and it's going to be great. And I'm really excited to get to see you in person and hang out with you. But I'm really also excited about all the great things that we've been able to do with this podcast, man. It's been such a blast. And we're going to continue uh, until the wheels fall off. And then when the wheels fall off, we'll probably still continue. Uh, You might not like it, but that's what we're going to do. So I think that's all we got for today. Uh, Let's go Islanders. Um, You know, plenty of hockey left. And uh, thanks again. Uh, to our homie Bob from Hornbill for being on here, chatting with us a bit. 
uh, super, super great band, super stoked to see what's on the horizon for them. And, uh, you know, as the world is opening back up, a lot of tours are being announced. A lot of cool things are happening. So, you know, go out, uh, there if you're vaccinated, of course, and you feel safe, let's start, let's start seeing some music again, man. Um, our, our, our favorite, one of our favorite venues in Long Island, uh, Amityville Music Hall, AMH just, uh, released their uh, lineup for the next couple of months so they're getting back to having shows which is really awesome because it was touch and go for them for a little bit but it's another local venue that's going to be able to uh, stand the test of time our homies in uh, envy on the coast are playing in november our homies in the sleeping are playing in december i think they just announced our, our homeboys and goalkeeper are playing amh which yep. is totally awesome uh and uh we're really excited that the music is coming back oh dude and, i just uh, need to chime in yeah. Are you ready for Grayscale to be like the next biggest band? Mm-hmm. Dude, they're going on tour with All Time Low and the main. Like, yeah. talk about the perfect target audience for them. Like, Seriously. A lot, you know, and, and like a lot of really cool tours are, are materializing. Uh, they just announced that uh, one of my favorite bands, the Menzingers, who I just showcased on Bar Down Vinyl Sundays, a.k.a. Bar Down Vinyl Monday, a.k.a. Bar Down Late Down. um but uh yeah the menzingers are going on tour with rise against huge huge things um uh you know our our you know code orange one of the best heavy bands out there going on tour slipknot dude oh i did see that so many cool things are 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 coming out for some of these great bands that uh you know we've had the pleasure of enjoying since since they've started so um i i really really can't wait um you know i'm gonna start uh after this wedding putting some money aside so i can get some tickets to tours and start getting back out there man because man i have missed live music so much and um really super pumped for uh armor for sleep so i can see our, our dudes and never loved which that'll be cool and uh but yeah tons of great stuff going on so like i said if you're not vaccinated yet go out there and get vaccinated so you can go to shows and you know slam dance and mosh and you know stage dive and be stupid because that's what what it's all about being stupid loving music loving what we do that's that all right tom it's been real peace be with you
Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. Started playing the like, dun, 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 And I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he shoot checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my feet. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.